This is Learning Innovation, the teaching and learning podcast, also known as LittlePod. We are created by Lethbridge College's Centre for Teaching, Learning and Innovation, located in Lethbridge, Alberta, Canada, on the traditional lands of the Blackfoot Confederacy. In the spirit of equity, diversity and inclusion, and Nitsitapi Simstan, or real thinking, we play host to a spectrum of guests from the teaching and learning community. As we highlight and explore innovation in education, we hope to kindle warm conversations, expand perspectives, and foster lasting partnerships today, tomorrow, and beyond. The future of learning starts now. Okay, and welcome to episode number 50. 50 of the Little Pod. We have a very special guest today, Jacqueline Doherty, the Dean of our Centre for Teaching, Learning and Innovation at Lethbridge College. Jackie is a massive supporter of our podcast, and we wanted to celebrate this special milestone with one of the main people who makes this teaching and learning podcast possible. Thank you, Jackie. My pleasure, Donna. Jackie and I will be talking about a few topics on this episode including some of our most memorable episodes, the CTLI Futures Blueprint 2026, and Jackie's perspective on building strategies for adaptability in a post-secondary environment. But before we jump into the conversation, please be sure to listen to the very end of this episode, as we will have a dedication to a special friend and colleague. Welcome to the show, Jackie. Thank you, Donna. It's so great to be here. When were you last on the podcast? Well, oh gosh, it must have been about a year and a half ago, I think. Um, that was my second podcast. I had the privilege of being on it in one of your early, in the earlier season, uh, right in the middle of COVID. So that was one experience. I did that one in my son's bedroom. I think it was the only place in my house that there was any kind of quiet space. Um, but then the last time I was on here, it was it was an exciting time, too, because we were able to come on with some friends of ours from Australia who also run a teaching and learning center, uh, Ben O'Hara and uh, Tim Moss. So that was a, it was just a really great conversation. That, that was really exciting to make that happen from, you know, with guests from halfway around the world. Yeah, yeah. You know, I think that's probably one of my favorite things that I've seen evolve in this podcast is, you know, I know that it was it was, a, you know, a seed, an idea that you and, and your team had to see how we could make this work during a time when we were all trying to find ways to connect with each other uh, during the pandemic. And then now it's evolved to, you know, beyond Lethbridge College and, you know, bringing in these thought leaders from all over the world and people who have that passion for teaching, learning and innovation um, and, you know, some of the big changes that are happening in the world and impacting, you know, what we do and how we support our students. So it's really great to see something like this grow the way it has. So given that, how do you feel like it's evolved over the years? Well, I think even just the team and how you work together. I mean, just being in this room right now, your listeners can't see it, but uh, it feels really professional. <laughs> I know that the first time we did this, I had to bring the, the mic home with me and and Ryan was so good at you know coaching me through what to say and how close to have it to my face. But this is a really beautiful room. So I think there's that. But then even just how you interact um, and make this experience such a delight for those of us that get the opportunity to be on here. I know that there's a lot of teamwork that goes on behind the scene, but it 
just makes it feel really easy for those of us that get to participate in this. So you must really know what you're doing. Well, thank you. That's great to hear. It, it is a great team uh, that comes together to make the podcast. Um, so what have been some of your favorite episodes or listening moments? Well, when uh, when I knew you were going to ask this question, uh, immediately my the first uh, one goes back to an episode that was done in the first year uh, with two first year students, uh, Eric and Spencer, uh, with their instructor Chris Hodgson Bright. Um, and I can't even remember everything about that episode, but I remember listening to it and listening to how those two students. Um, had developed this friendship in their in uh, their learning environment with you know and, and working with their instructor in that way and how much learning um, had impacted you know not only what they were doing in the course and what you know jobs they were planning to get afterwards incidentally they actually are working for us which is really cool <laughs> um, but uh, just the growth that you could see happening as you were listening to them on that podcast it was really wonderful it's just that reminder of why we're all here why we work in education and uh, who we do this for. Um, and then it, it, the really special part is when you see them come back to us and, and contribute in different ways. So that was probably one of my favorite ones. Um, oh, there's just so many. There's, you know, you've brought in really, really amazing thought leaders from, you know, all over, all over Canada and beyond. Talked about our friends from Australia, but, you know, uh, Alec Kuros and, you know, people who are really at the, at the leading edge of some of the big changes that are disrupting what we do right now. And, um, that, that's a lot of, um, that's a lot of content that, um, I know I've benefited from in my in my ways. What about you, Donna? I mean, you had this idea to bring this up, and I know it was kind of new to you at the beginning. But what what's been your favorite part about this? I'm curious. Well, I've learned so much through through every podcast episode. Um, I I learn so much from all of the different guests that have been on the podcast. I do particularly enjoy it when we have students on the podcast, and I think. Um, one that sticks out for me is um, last year we interviewed three students for Black History Month and their stories were all so unique, but they tied so well into the history and their origins. And um, it was just quite fascinating, you know, how how diverse their backgrounds were and yet so many things that they had in common. And it was just a really uh, wonderful conversation. Oh, I know exactly which one you were talking about. I was inspired as well. And just to, you know, to be able to take a page out of the book of these students who are, uh, they're changing the world and you can hear it in the things that they discuss. Yeah, no, I love that one as well. I also love the the topics that have been coming out over the last year with AI, you know, because things are changing so quickly. And so it's been quite fascinating talking to people and I'm sure that will continue to evolve. Yeah, you must have a lot of aha moments, hey, when you when you listen. Is there anything what what is one of the big ones? What is one that you've learned in the last few years? Oh. Sorry to put you on the spot. Yeah. <laughs> um well, I think I think learning about learning about AI. I particularly enjoyed the conversation with uh, Brenda McDermott on artificial intelligence and academic integrity. Um, that was quite fascinating, and and you know, I'm sure that was that was about a year or so ago now, and so I'm sure you know things have changed quite a bit. Like it's just changing so rapidly, so it's quite interesting to learn. Um, and then more recently too, our conversation. Um, 
on the STEM project. I really love that project and what the work that they're doing. So, so I mean, I, I think every episode really, I'm I'm getting aha moments and learning new things, and uh, yeah. Yeah, you know, I think that's the real special thing about having a platform like this where, you know, we come to work every day and we work in a fairly large institution um, in a fairly large, um, you know, the education sector is so big to be able to highlight some of these things like STEM, you know, that highlights these connections where we're interacting with with, you know, these entities beyond what we do in here, but have such an impactful um, or such an impact on on what happens out in the world out there. The STEM project is one too. To hear K to twelve instructor, our teachers coming in and working with our instructors and our students and our staff behind the scenes to really make those connections and those bridges for our students and different pathways that they can, you know, all the way from grade one. Like what a great what a great opportunities and such a, a good thing to highlight on something like this. Yeah, it's very true. And the podcast is a great platform to find out things that, that you might not otherwise, even um, with our most recent episode um, with Kristen and Craig talking about AI, it's not a conversation, you know, it's a unique conversation that you have in this environment and to be able to ask these questions. And I know that, you know, they're very passionate about that topic. And so you're able to, to you know, find out more and and learn more, even, you know, yes, from outside guests, but also from from colleagues that work within the college. Yeah, I totally agree. Okay, shifting gears a bit here, I want to touch on your dissertation about strategies for adaptability called a blueprint for promoting innovation, interdisciplinary teamwork and collaboration. Can you talk a bit about this and why this is such a relevant topic for teaching and learning, especially in our age of generative AI? Yeah, you know, uh, so yeah, this was part of my dissertation that I had done for my doctoral uh, degree with Western University. And I think at the time when I when I dove into this, I, I, you know, I had this interest in the concept of innovation. And I know it's this big concept that has many different ways to interpret it. Um, but I don't think I had any idea um, what I was about to get into, and, and especially the context. I did that, that whole learning experience, that whole three years was done during the majority of it during the pandemic. So um, the whole concept of innovation really takes on a different form when you're thrown in it and just really forced to think about what actually is innovation and what makes us think differently and, you know, behave differently and interact with our environment in ways that um, sometimes we have no control over. So when I when I first went into that, I had these big, big ideas around where I wanted to go. And in the end, it came down to um, to really three areas and two in particular. One is was agility. And sometimes that can be you know, become one of these catchphrases that is often used in so many contexts, especially with strategy. But um, part of that is really being able to adapt. And we had to do that. We had to do that during the pandemic. And it wasn't, you know, over time, it was overnight, we had to think about how we were going to change every single thing that we did and how we interacted with each other. And, and the big part of that was around collaboration. And I had the, the, fortunate viewpoint of seeing a team that had just just come together in you know the year before that who hadn't really worked together in many ways but they were really being forced into this environment where they had to not only work together better, but to help others in that collaboration. So collaboration, um, you know, when I started narrowing down what I wanted to focus on in terms of those conditions that need to be there and 
in order for us to be innovative and to, you know, to be adaptive and to be responsive to some of the things that are happening in the world around us, it really came down to teamwork and collaboration. And so that really became the focus of, of what I, I looked at in the last few years over that. And then the other part is around that strategic foresight. And, you know, um, you'll often hear if, you, if you're on our team and we see it happening across the institution now, which is exciting for me. But, you know, we use things like signals and change drivers. But what those really mean is just paying attention, you know, paying attention to the world around us. And I think the work that I was able to do um, in this is to really tie it back to some of those original, you know, those theoretical concepts, you know, all the way back to, you know, the Lewin model where, you know, you you have to loosen the systems and experiment with things before you bring it back to some kind of order and then tie that into some of the more contemporary theories um, that we use on a daily basis, like design thinking and systems thinking and, and how those can go together uh, to make sure that we have those foundations, but we also are creating structures within our environment to truly be adaptable and to help people get there when they need to get there. I like that you define signals as paying attention. Um, uh, I was asked this week, you know, what signals I had seen. And at first I thought, well, I don't think I've seen any. But then as I thought about it and paid attention, I realized, oh, no, I, I have seen some. So, so it's very valuable. Yeah, you know, I, I, now that I, 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 you know, when you stop and take a minute to pay attention to some of the little things that might seem really insignificant or maybe unrelated, it's amazing how you can connect those. You know, you might, I might be driving on my way to work one day and hear something about a decision that was made, you know, in politics or, or by somebody in the world outside of, of the walls of this, of the college that we work in. And to start thinking, you know, already about what is the impact to the work that we do, to the students that we support, to the faculty that we're, that we're working with on a daily basis. Because there always is some kind of, it might be political, economic, sociocultural, you know, it might be something to do with the environment or even, you know, something that's financial or, or legal, you know, those are things that we, that we do have to pay attention to. And sometimes it's just a matter of just pausing, you know, and thinking, huh, I'm going to keep my eye on that. And then there's other times that you say, this is actually already driving change in what we do. And it could be, you know, a process that we have that worked really well for a long time. And then all of a sudden, you know, ChatGPT comes, <laughs> you know, emergence out of what seems like nothing, but we know that it was always there. And maybe we weren't paying attention to that signal as much as we should have been, but it's there and it has forced change and it's caused a certain amount of disruption uh, within our system. And sometimes that disruption feels really messy and sometimes it leads to conflict and sometimes we have to wrestle with it. And sometimes um, those conversations um, can lead to something that's even bigger and and more impactful. But it uh, sometimes feels like it, it we're on the edge of chaos, right? I think a lot of that um, innovation that took place during the pandemic probably has set us up well for some of the changes that have been coming along more recently. Yeah, you know, I think so. I think that um, I, I'm a big believer in structure. I think structure is important, but I think it has to be adaptive. And I think it has to be, you know, you have to be able to loosen things up. And when we were thrown into the, these circumstances where we had no control over what was happening around us, it forced us to attach to some of those things that we could control and to really pay attention to what those are. And it was not messy. I mean, it was not, it was messy. Um, and I think that we had to let go of some of, we had to let go of some of the, the, um, the core values that we maybe thought we had um, and really reevaluate what those actually needed to be. But um, 
part of that is to is to really empathize with not only you know the the, the people that we're working directly with, but the the larger the people who are impacted by the decisions that we make. And so I think that that was probably the biggest learning for us. It kind of forced us to step back and think about, you know, the people, the people that we're here for, and and let's just make that a priority. So this is a great segue into the next topic because we've been kind of looking back. Um, the CTLI Futures Blueprint 2026. Can you talk about this a little bit and perhaps touch on where our Centre for Teaching and Learning is growing and going? Yeah, so we... As a, as a center for teaching and learning, um, one of our big um, our big roles within the institution is to really pay attention to those signals and kind of get ahead of it. And we often say, "We'll meet you where you're at." And sometimes, and that always looks different for whoever walks in the door um, of our of our center. So that can be a student, a student that's just new to the institution, somebody that's come from a completely different environment or a different country. Um, that can be a faculty member that's, you know, dealing with a challenge or an opportunity in their classroom and they just need somebody to partner with them. Um, we don't always know the answers, but we are always paying attention and and trying to kind of try. We, I mean, you can't ever predict the future, but if we have the right tools and we equip our team with the right tools, we can anticipate what might come. Um, some of the, the work that I did in my dissertation that's really played out in the blueprint, we're calling it a blueprint, but it is basically a, a strategy is um, is around creating um, different scenarios that that might be on our path forward. Um, one of the the um, the so one of the organizations that I we really take inspiration from is Educause. Um, every year they come out with their Horizon Report, which in itself is ad adapted or evolved in in recent years. But I had the opportunity to be part of a panel that came out with this year's uh, Horizon Report, which was based on you know creating. And environments for like a holistic environment for our students, but they follow this this model that um, I think it's the future the tomorrow the future tomorrow institute that they that they work with or the tomorrow institute we might have to look up that one and get the, the name right but um, they look at different at four different scenarios with anything that you know any of these big change drivers that are impacting. Um, uh, education, some of that, sometimes that means an, a scenario of growth, you know, where we continue on the same trajectory, but really looking at that from all angles and, you know, growth isn't always positive, but sometimes it can be positive. So how can we pull from the, the positive aspects of that to environments that we, uh, you know, that we are currently living in, these environments of constraint? And sometimes that can be financial constraint. Sometimes it can be a constraint, um, you know, beyond the resources. It can be just whatever we have within our capacity. Um, and then the reality is, is that oftentimes we have those environments of collapse where we weren't paying attention to the signals or something has happened that has forced a significant change that has brought us, you know, over the tipping point into, you know, into this this area that um, might not mean that we exist in the same way that we did before. But it's also about looking at that and thinking about, is there an opportunity for transformation in that as another scenario? You know, what what can emerge as something new out of that experience? And so when we developed our, our future blueprint, that was really what we based it on, because it's something that we've always paid attention to. And it was a model that helped us kind of contain some of the the. Um, the pathway or contain the um, the parameters uh, or make parameters around the pathways that we were that we were trying to follow, knowing that at any point in time, something could come and force us off course. But this way, at least we can pay attention to that and we can adapt more quickly as opposed to react to some of the things that might come at us. And so um, 
Why are these directions vital to our growth and momentum? Um, well, I think that uh, I think that just recognizing that there's more than one direction, it might end up in the same place. You know, you might you might have a compass that's leading you in the same direction, but um, different d- different ways of getting there. I think it's more than just you know, different ways of getting there always has to be part of what we consider, right? Um, sometimes we'll, we'll throw around the, the the saying, you know, it's a failure of past success, where just because something worked really well in the past doesn't mean it necessarily works in this new environment, right? So we always have to be considering that, but we also have to draw from the past. So when we're creating our, our pathways, there is huge benefits to looking back and, and learning from, you know, what worked and what didn't work. And we have so much information at our disposal. You know, we have we have learning analytics, like especially in the field that we are, and different kinds of you know trends that we can observe and and we can look at, and then we can take those and, and create narratives around those for why things might have worked in a certain way and why they didn't, and why um, certain decisions that were made over time brought us in a certain direction and how maybe um, how maybe it created new opportunities or new challenges to where we are today. So that when we're looking at those future directions, we can we can learn from what we what we had experienced in the past to try and you know prepare for what we need to um, face in the future. So of course, with anything, there's challenges and opportunities. But is there anything you are particularly excited about when you think about the future? Oh, well, I think that just right now in our world, we're becoming we're becoming more aware and more global globalized in how we think about things that comes with challenges. It, it, you have to, um, you know, when you bring when you bring diverse perspectives to the table, sometimes that means that it, it comes with tension. Um, so I, I'm excited that we have the opportunity to do that, and I hope that um, I hope that learning in that in that environment becomes really the the important part of of how we go forward. Um, I think what excites me the most is how much learning is at our disposal. So I mean, working in an academic institution that could be seen as a threat. You know, there's all these, you know, whether it's LinkedIn learning or, you know, micro-credentials that some other, you know, for-profit organization puts on. There's just a lot of opportunities out there for us to learn and, and, and you know, improve and expand our knowledge base. But there's also a challenge in trying to fish through a lot of that and figure out what is actually right, what is, what is appropriate for my circumstances, um, what is going to change if I don't pay attention? And so it's it, that, that I think there's challenges and opportunities ahead. But I, I am excited. I mean, technology in itself is something that um, that has really presented so many opportunities in the last year and how we work. I, I just read an article in um, in the Harvard Business Review just the other day about upskilling and reskilling, and I just feel so fortunate to be part of an organization that really supports learning and development. Um, in this article, they talked about, you know, the half-life of skills and how, you know, it's it's really basically five years on the on the highest end on how on our the, the half-life of our skills. And if you work in the tech industry, it can be as much as two years. And so if we go into any kind of work environment or any kind of environment in general, we need to be prepared to learn. And I think the best advice that we can give ourselves and, you know, the next generations that come is, you know, don't ask us what or don't ask us or don't ask them what they're going to do when they grow up, but really learn how to learn and be open to learning new things. And I think that's the exciting thing is that there's so much opportunity to do that moving forward. I love that message. I think that's so critical. And, you know, if if sort of out in the work world, these skills have this short half-life, then those of us who are, are teaching many of these things, you know, have to be keep li- 
looking forward as well. Oh yeah, I think yeah, I think so too. I I know with my own kids, I I watch them and just think about all the things that they teach me on a daily basis and the things that they're learning, but. Um, the opportunities that are ahead of them. And it doesn't look the same as it was when when I was younger. But I do think that if we don't pay attention to that and and um, and really make learning the priority in everything that we do, we will become irrelevant. And, and I think that's on us, but it's also being part of as an organization that really supports that. And I, I feel like we have that here where learning and development is really at the core of, of what we do. And and then we have to figure out what those conditions are to make sure that people feel that they have those opportunities, you know, within that environment. That's wonderful, yeah, because the changes are going to keep coming. And so as long as we are comfortable with learning and embrace that, we can adapt. Right, right. Um, you talked about what kind of excites me about the future. And I think that there like, there is so much that does excite, that excites me. And, and we have to, um, I think that... If, if we're going to be in this together, the world is changing so, so fast that we need to pay attention to the cultures that we all contribute to. And part of that and part of the work that I've done over the past few years and what I see happening with the team that I get to work on every single day is, you know, really establishing what that trust is and what what conditions need to be in place to establish trust in this time when things are shifting so quickly. What is the what is the formula for that? I know uh, one of my colleagues here at, at the college introduced me to a framework a few years ago by Francis Frey um, and Anne Morris. It's called the Trust Triangle, and I think that whenever we are, we're addressing anything that has to do with with you know significant transformation, if we can look at it you know through empathy and try to understand uh, you know what how this is going to impact the people that 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 we work with that are, you know, even sometimes not even directly impacted. Um, we need to be able to step back and do that, but there has to be a certain amount of logic with that. We be, need to be able to, you know, to understand it and to be able to articulate it and to be able to get to the point of what we're trying to do. And then it has to be authentic. And so none of this is mine. This is, this is a model that I, but I do come back to often and um, over and over again um, when I'm thinking about how we're going to address change, how we're going to, you know, help get our students to where they need to be when they leave here, how we're going to help our faculty deal with the day-to-day things that they deal with in their classrooms and um, how we're going to uh, prepare our staff to support that environment as well uh, when we really don't have as much control over it as we as we might have in the past. So those are things that I think I always go back to that I think are really, really important. And it all comes back to the cultures that we contribute to. And everybody is accountable for that. Everybody has a piece to play in that. Um, so that's just I just thought it'd be important to add that. <laughs> well, thank you for adding that. It's that uh, is a great framework for you know, kind of what's underlying a lot of the changes and being able to look forward to to what's to come. Right, right. All right. Well, Jackie, thank you so much for joining us. This has been a wonderful conversation. Oh, thank you for being here. This has been great for me as well. It, it's been great to uh, look back at the past and look at the last uh, 50 episodes and as well look forward at, at uh, some of the plans and strategies that are are going forward and the the changes that will be coming. Oh, yeah. I, I'm so excited to see where you're going. This is one of the, the things that I, I go to bed at night or I go for a walk in the coolies with. Like it's, it's, it's a podcast that I always come back to. And I know that other people are impacted by it as well. Thank you. This is normally the part of the podcast where I say the outro. But this week has been anything but normal. This week, we lost a friend and colleague, 
Melissa Reed Bogart, who passed away suddenly November 27th. We would like to take a few moments to honour Melissa. The following are the memories and thoughts dedicated to Melissa from some of her friends and colleagues. On my first day at the college, I felt so weird eating my lunch in the den that I was planning on eating lunch in my car during my next shift. But Melissa saw me sitting alone, left her table, and sat with me. She was always somebody who made me feel comfortable from then on. Melissa always knew what we needed before we did. I will miss her authenticity and kind nature around the office. It was my first time working in the office, and I didn't know how to schedule a room. Melissa helped me and taught me how to fit in and be comfortable in this place. Every time I sit in my desk, I see her beautiful and sweet smile. I always associate her with sunflowers. Her energy radiates the entire room and college, missing you already. Melissa was always so proud of the work we do and found many ways to make sure people got what they needed, even if they didn't know they needed it. I would borrow Melissa's cords to charge my phone daily. I could never wrap them up correctly, and she would just smile sympathetically and say, it's okay. Endless assistance helping me locate literally anything, a beacon of knowledge. I will miss her curiosity and willingness to always help make the world better. I will miss you so much. You were always there to help me when I needed it. She always knew how to help and who could help you. She is missed. You were one of the most welcoming and inclusive souls I've ever met. Your spirit will be missed here. A beautiful soul a spark to anyone who met her. I will miss you so much. The smiles, laughs, visits, memories made lunches shared, collaboration and friendship. You were one of the best. Melissa was the most helpful to me and so welcoming. She was eager to share and support others in any way, a kind soul. Melissa was kind, thoughtful and friendly but most of all, I appreciated how she was never afraid to ask a question that needed to be asked. I miss you so much, Melissa. Thank you for sharing your lunch, supplying me with work stuff, and being my first work friend. Your spirit will never leave us. There are many, many more memories and thoughts of Melissa, as she was someone who was an integral part of not only our center, but the whole of Lethbridge College. Our hearts and thoughts go out to her friends and family. <laughs>